0: Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Craft Beer Talk Show. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Saunch, a guy who loves craft beer and the whole craft industry. And of course, this is a talk show where we dive into the world of craft beer and even time to time some craft liquor. Um, A couple things here before I dive into the main topic of episode 2. I want to talk about uh, episode 1. It was my very first episode and I want to touch on a few things Uh, that I feel need to be addressed for uh, the listener's sake. Um, You might have heard a couple things during the first episode, and I try to do the review of the beer as I'm recording the episode, but I've noticed there's one main problem. Now, I'm working in close quarters, and I've learned that my mic is highly sensitive, and the issue that comes with that is throughout the review, you could hear sounds... Uh, of the can moving around um, to to show the camera or whatever and you could easily hear me putting the glass up and down and moving it around on the coaster, Uh, well this might not seem a problem for people just watching the video reviews on Instagram because that's the whole point. Uh, This definitely poses a problem for listeners of the show, which I hope for the most part um, are the same people. So in order to change this, uh, I've decided to make a few early changes. Um, now, it shouldn't be that big of a deal since there's only been one episode. But uh, this includes, obviously, me being a little bit more aware and cautious of my surroundings as well as uh, looking looking into taking out the recording of the review while recording the podcast episode. There'll still be a review during uh, the live recording, of course, but it's just easier when I don't also have to focus on the camera as well. Uh, so until I build a better setup... Uh, I'll just be doing one review, the first take, which will be during the episode, so that'll be the first initial kind of dive into the beer if I haven't already tasted it before. Then a smaller video afterwards uh, for the Instagram page that'll be more or less like uh, a recap. Um, So that's kind of all I wanted to uh, address. I guess I want to also apologize because it can be a little bit annoying when listening to... Um, a podcast to hear all those distractions and, and and small noises. So bear with me; we'll get better. Um, so with that being said, before we also dive into today's topics, the second thing I want to bring up is Untapped. Uh, Untapped is an app where you can go on and review local craft beers. You can see beers that are um, in local bars where you can get these beers. You can where to buy them um, or even just the brewery them breweries themselves. Uh, so untapped, U-N-T-A-P-P-E-D, I think that's a proper spelling. I'll put a link um, to my profile. It'll be under Craft Beer Talk Show. And basically what I'm going to be doing with this app is posting all of the beers I review um, in this app so you can go back and see all of the the beers we've done on the show and kind of reflect. And even uh, I think you can comment and, and compare your ratings to my ratings and, and this and that. I really like the app, uh, and it does get a lot of controversy, Um, but listen, I think it's the best way to sort of document other than my Instagram page, Um, and it also allows me to be more involved in the craft beer um, community, so I'm going to try it out, see how it goes. Um, I think it's just, it's good to be honest, and I think it's... It's a good app if you're a lover of all types of beer. I think people will go on there and maybe, um, I don't know, if if they don't like a beer, maybe if they don't like the style, I should say, they'll go on and trash it when, in hindsight, it might actually be a good beer. But if you're not a fan of the style, then, you know. That's kind of your loss, but I'm going to be rating the beers based on the styles, not based on uh, my favorite styles, although you might get a little bit of a a bias advantage if you make a beer and I review it and it is my favorite style, which has a lot to do with today's episode. So what will we be talking about? Uh, My favorite style. So this is kind of uh, almost another introduction to me. You learn a little bit more about me because we're going to be talking about my favorite style, uh, which is Pilsner pilsner you say why pilsner uh basically it's an old style uh it's extremely popular but it's it's very hard to get right i know it's not as uh, old as ales or even german lagers you know those, those days back um to quite a long time ago but uh, i like it because it's it's just a true genuine crisp beer taste if you lagers you could argue um would be a representative of that. But I find maybe sometimes you can have uh, a lager that's a little bit flatter and it's not as hoppy, um, less flavorful, I would say, is kind of the main difference. Whereas a Pilsner, if you do it right, you get that beautiful, crisp hops taste. It's not over overbearing if you're not a hops lover, but it's light. And I, I could drink them uh, nonstop, all day long. Um, I, and I think it's such a good representation uh, for like a true craft, and I'm not, I am not—I don't want to say like craft beer because that could be a whole debate on its own, but uh, a craft of brewing. Since it is such a, a fine-tuned recipe, um, you have to really put in a lot of effort to, to get it right, and it, it could be some trial and error. So I think that when you come across a really good Pilsner, you need to uh, appreciate it and look into what actually uh, is going on. So we're going to dive into a little bit of history um, before I reveal my favorite Pilsner. And I think uh, on this podcast, you'll find I do that from time to time. Uh, Because not only am I a beer lover, I love history as well. I love learning new things. Uh, I think uh, even food, you know, it's awesome to know where your food came from before you put it in your mouth. And I think the same thing goes with beer and alcohol. It's cool to find out how it was made or the the history behind the, the style that you're drinking. Uh, before really diving into a craft beer so I actually have two pilsners on this and they're going to go uh, toe to so one being my my favorite uh, actually I've tasted both of them so uh, they're going to go toe-to-toe um, and they're in my opinion top quality local pilsners that I've had and I've had you know I, I take pride in and you know trying a lot, especially since it's my favorite style, it's the first thing that I'll pick up in the beer store or the grocery store or wherever you get your beer. Um, so I'll dive into the history now uh, and then we'll get into comparing those two local Pilsners. So stay tuned for that. Uh, now Pilsner has a few different names uh, and this might come as a shock to those who, who didn't know that um, Pilsner is, you know, pretty, pretty stationary. But it's also referred to as German Pils, uh, Bohemian Pilsner, uh, and the new one, the new wave that's going around is American Light. And I think when you think of a beer uh, like Miller Light, on the can itself it says uh, like a genu- genuine Pilsner or or something like that. Um, so I think that's kind of where that that comes from. American Light, like people who don't want to necessarily, say, oh, we're just another logger. I'm not a Bud Light or a Buzzwiser. I'm something new. I'm a Pilsner. Uh, I think it allows them to be a little bit more interesting, but I wouldn't say that American Light is the best Pilsner. So I could be wrong. I could have an American Light beer and I could be blown away, but I don't know. I just like when it's called Pilsner, true to the style. Uh, It also has a few different styles within its style, and I'll get to those at the end of the briefing. Um, So now those styles are, are primarily geographically based, so... Uh, they're basically the same thing with slight differences in the recipe. and like I said, it's geographically based, so maybe it's it's depend on the soil. I don't want to spoil it. I'll get into it later. Um, but let's just dive in to this history lesson. Uh, basically, what I'm about to tell you, it's not my knowledge and I have to say that first off because I don't want to make you guys think that I'm uh, really smart because I'm not that smart. I may know a lot about beer, but uh, I'm not an encyclopedia of information. Uh, especially when it comes to history. I love it, but uh, I'm going to be the first to say that uh, I have to look up something rather than I just know things and have done research. But that's fun for me. Uh, So I found this information on a website called The Source Eats. Now, I really hope that this is the proper source. Uh, I wrote this little script I'm kind of running off of in my notes, Um, and I can't guarantee that that's actually what it's called because that seems strange to me now as I'm reading it. But the source eats apparently, and the article was written by Bryce Eddings, so we can all thank him for uh, sharing his knowledge to us. I'll put the link uh, to that article in the description of the Instagram post for this um, particular episode uh, when it gets released. All right, sorry, I've been rambling on here. Here we go, the history of Pilsner. So, the city of Pilsen in Bohemia, which now is known as the Czech Republic. In 1838, brewmasters of the town, they rolled out 36 barrels um, of the ale they were brewing, and they dumped it all into the streets. Uh, The beer had gone bad, a sight that no one would want to see. If I saw that, I would lose my mind. Um, But they dumped them into the streets, And the brewers of Pilsen, who had brewed for over 800 years, um, suffered with contamination uh, contamination issues uh, with their beer. The ale was prone to spoilage due to the bacteria or the wild yeasts they were using. It sits there. People don't drink it or they're stocking up. Uh, And, you know, with climate changes, if you don't have a proper, uh, you know, climate or, or temperature control, you obviously run the risk of spoiling your product so they went back to the drawing board and realizing how important yeast was in the brewing process they hired a man by the name of joseph it could be joseph grohl Uh, if you want to know more about him i recommend you look him up he's a very special german man uh, especially to me since i love pilsner but he is referred to as the father of Pilsner. So if you're a Pilsner fan, you should definitely uh, praise this guy. He's uh, quite the man, and uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about him and what he's done for Pilsner and how he's got that uh, title. They brought him in, and they got him to teach him them the ways of German lagering. So if you're new to beer, uh, this might be a cool revelation that Pilsner actually is a logger, um, pretty much, Uh, One of its other names is Pale Lager, which is obviously very self-explanatory. But the story goes that apparently a monk in 1840, uh, I don't know where the monk came from, probably uh, a nearby town or wherever, and he had smuggled in some very precious lager yeast out of Bavaria. Um, I don't think that this has been proven to be true, so we can't hold Bryce accountable for that one, but he does have that in his briefing. So then Josef Grohl used this yeast along with some saws hops that he found uh, in a nearby source, um, and he crafted this beer. He had everything he needed, and away he went. He used some pale malt, so there we go, the pale lager, that's where that comes from. Um, as well and not the stuff the old brewers were using which was smoke or roasted barley right they were using for their ales and alas on October 5th 1842 the brewers were ready to have their first taste of this newly crafted beer so there we go they tapped the cask highly anticipated and they poured themselves a pint they were completely shocked by this beer looked nothing like anything they had ever seen before. It was light in color. Um, the taste was crisp, refreshing, unlike the dark and heavy ales that they were used to drinking. So boom right there, that's uh, exactly how I described it when I was talking about why I love it so much. That crisp, light flavor, it's, it's, it's awesome, it's so refreshing. But the brewers of Pilsen were delighted and uh, they knew they had amazing beer on their hands. Uh, the news spread very quickly, as it usually does when you have uh, something amazing. And this brought the official birth to the Pilsner style. Now, one brewery I should mention, and essentially I have been mentioning it because this is this is where this history came from. Um, it is the brewery that started it all. Uh, the brewery that this story is about, that is Pilsner Urkel. Uh, if you haven't had Pilsner Urkel, then right after listening to this, go get it. It is the definition of the style, and now that you know this, it might be a cool time to try it. Uh, so over the years, people try to replicate the beer, uh, especially the beer from Pilsner Oracle, um, some even adopting new names, such as American Light, as I mentioned before, which in my opinion is a totally an American thing to do take a style that someone else created and and slap on made in america so now that you know the history of pilsner and where it all began let's talk briefly about the styles that are within the style like i promised and like i said they're mostly regional based uh, and small variations to the original pilsner beer. uh beer I include some brands you might have heard of uh, that associate with this style so maybe when i'm talking about it if you're not really understanding, once I say the brand names, maybe you are like, oh, okay, well, I know exactly what he's talking about. So the first is the Czech style, um, or one might say the true style, right? Uh, it's high in foam, light flavor, beautiful golden color, uh, exactly, in my opinion, what true Pilsner should be. And the only name I should mention when talking about this style is, of course, Pilsner Urkel, uh, right in Czech Republic. Go get that beer. Try it out. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's awesome. So next up, you have the European style. So this version is not necessarily always brewed with barley malt, um, and it's a little bit more on the the milder side of sweet. So almost like introducing an ale kind of like tone to the Pilsner style, but not even close to to ale at all it's still true to the pilsner way of brewing uh, and it's still lager they still lager in the process of fermentation uh, and some brands you may know uh, definitely know stella artois uh, heineken and Grolsch, which is uh, another dutch beer as well um and the last style is the german style so it takes on more of an earthy taste and that's why i really wanted to highlight its regional because that, that could come from you know, where their malt is being grown, the earth and the soil that they're using to grow um, you know the, uh, the hops and, and the malt and, and all that stuff that goes into the recipe. Uh, and it's a pale golden color. Uh, some brands you might have heard of, uh, Bex, or a very popular one is Bitburger. Uh, that's a good beer. I love that one. So now that we've talked about the history, And I've told you about the styles within the style. I've told you some examples of all these styles, some great uh, Pilsners that you can go try. A lot of them are mainstream, but make sure you try Pilsner Urkel, if not all of them. Let's reveal my favorite beer. Now, before I reveal it, I want you uh, to keep in mind that this is a craft beer podcast. So obviously, These beers that I talk about are usually local craft beers. On the other hand, uh, this beer that is my favorite has been put up against other pilsners that I've had, you know, whether they be from Europe or not local, still at craft, smaller breweries, but even some big breweries that create a pilsner. Uh, And I really believe, in my opinion, my palate, that this is my favorite and the best true pilsner That I could find other than Pilsner Urkel. So drum roll please. Uh, I don't know if you can really hear that. Who cares? Let's not be cliche about it. My favorite brand of Pilsner is Steam Whistle from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So pretty much my hometown. Um, Of course, you know, like I said, this is a craft beer podcast. So it's got to be local for me. And Steam Whistle is pretty much as local as it gets. Uh, It's honestly, it's just amazing. And... uh, I love them so much. I love everything they represent, not even just the beer, but the whole company, the vibe is is amazing. Um, and for me, it's also very special because my father and I, uh, you know, if we're going to a Toronto Blue Jays baseball game or uh, Leafs hockey game um, or anything downtown Toronto, we always make an excuse to go to the Steam Whistle uh, Roundhouse Brewery. So it's the brewery is actually made out of an old train roundabout. So back in the day, the trains would drive in and then to change the direction, they would they would sit on the roundabout and the roundabout would get cranked and turned and then they would be able to, to go on the new track. So it's just such a cool piece of history. And if you're ever in Toronto, if you're not from there, or if you're from Toronto, you've never been, you really need to go, uh, especially when there's uh, some sort of sporting event or any kind of event, they do a really good job. Uh, the vibe is super, super chill. And uh, definitely, definitely check it out. So, that will be a part of our review today. Um, but without it even doing the review, I can tell you that it's hands down my favorite one. So, it'll be hard to trump it, but there is a beer uh, I have come across that uh, might go against it. And it came to me as a little bit of a shock. Uh, the way I found this beer is kind of interesting. So,. Here uh, in Toronto, the GTA, we have Go Train Transit. So basically it's just a local train system and it gets you from city to city. And how I found this brewery in particular was I was on the Go Train and I was just looking out the window, staring at you know who knows what. And right on the side of the train tracks, there's this small brewery. And it doesn't look like much because it's not like they have big signage, this and that. But I noticed that it was a brewery, and it was called Old Credit Brewing. And this this really, you know, took interest to in me, obviously. And I had never seen their beer before until one day. I was in the beer store, and I came across it. It was there. It was the first time in this simple, like, super craft, very super uh, low-key white box And it just said the uh, Old Credit Brewing Company Ice Aged Pale Pilsner. And that was like a Eureka moment for me, Um, you know, coming across this brewery I never heard of. So local to me and obviously them brewing my favorite style of beer. So uh, I've had it before, so this isn't going to be one of the reviews where I've never tried it and it's going to be a first, but this is going to be a head to head and I'm going to compare them. but uh, the beer is excellent and very comparable to Steam Muscle. A bit more sweet, if anything. But uh, we're gonna, without further ado, we're going to crack them open and uh, see how they compare to one another. All right, so we got the beers poured. Um, I did them off the mic because... Last time, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you could hear the cracking, me fumbling with the can. You might still be able to hear that with me putting uh, the glass up and down. So hopefully we can uh, avoid that. But I've got the the steam whistle. We'll do first. I've got to pour it poured in the glass here, and it's uh, it's looking beautiful. You can see the the bubbles of the carbonation rising rapidly to the top of the glass. Um, you know, from the carbonation, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. And I and I'll say this. And I said in the first episode uh, how I feel it's very important to have the proper pine glass match the style of beer that you're drinking. And for this reason alone, you know, there's obviously aromas and all that kind of stuff, but for this reason alone, a Pilsner glass does a hell of a job of showcasing those those bubbles of carbonation rising to the top, it shows you how crisp and clean and clear this beer is. Um, and Steam Whistle themselves, actually, when you go to the brewery, they have a beautiful glass. If you don't have Steam Whistle glasses, you should pick them up. Um, you can buy them sometimes in uh, in sets around Christmas time. But uh, yeah, it's definitely looking beautiful. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the statistics of this beer. Um, from sight, we can see that it's uh, it's a golden like pale color. Uh, maybe a little bit of an orangey tinge, but very light in color. Uh, it's 22 IBUs. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what IBUs is, it's the International... Uh, bitterness unit. And basically it's just a score of how bitter the beer is. Uh, Low would be something like 12. Um, So 22 isn't that hoppy, but it's a little bit of bitterness just as a Pilsner should be. Uh, The hops which is usually what indicates um, how bitter a beer is, how much you put in, what kind of hops you're using. The hops used in this specific beer are Saws hops and that is the traditional type of hops you should be using when brewing a Pilsner. Um, Another thing I'd like to mention about Steam Whistle um, and the brewing process for this beer, on the side of the can, they have this little statement, and it says, Steam Whistle is one of the only remaining Pilsners in the world that still adheres to the standards of the Bavarian Purity Act of 1516. So that's really old. Um, If you want to know more about the Bavarian Purity Act, uh, do a quick Google and, and learn exactly what that means. But basically, these, these guys here at Steam are using the same methods um, and the same natural ingredients as you should be uh, and the uh, natural spring water um, to, to, to craft their beer. And that's very important, uh, especially in the end product uh, that they, they've produced. And you can tell the difference a lot in a lot of these pilsners and even just any beer in general. The quality of ingredients goes a long way, so I'm gonna take a, a sip here. Mmm, That's gorgeous. That is gorgeous. Now, I always want to compare it to the, the best uh, Pilsner and the original Pilsner, Pilsner Urkel, Very similar qualities, uh, and and that speaks that's that's pretty high regards uh, to say for for uh, Pilsner, and that's why I love Steam Whistle so much. Um, when you're when you're drinking it, the aromas are just gorgeous. Clean, crisp, a little bit grainy, um, really smells natural, and uh, you can get that sharpness from the sauce, uh, which is the slight bitterness. Overall, nice crisp beer. This is the kind of beer I would recommend somebody to drink if they're, you know, they don't have the, the profile for something too heavy, or they they like the light, but they want more flavor. This is the kind of beer that I would recommend. Um, all natural ingredients but still simple you don't have too much hops over bearing or over flavoring the beer uh, you have really just four four or five main ingredients uh, that goes into the beer and very very simple let's take another sip yeah that's that is an excellent beer you have that straw-like flavorness um, in the malt obviously pale malts are are used to brew this beer but it's, uh, it's very elegant. Um, really could go with anything. I definitely think that uh, this beer will be hard to take down in terms of my uh, my list of top beers. But uh, I love the steam whistle because I, I really just talk about it nonstop and have nothing but positive things to say about it. Let's move on to the pill pilsner. So I'm just going to hop off the mic here and quickly pour it. And then we'll hop right back in. All right, so we got the old Credit Brewing Pale Pilsner here poured. Um, At first look, I'd say it's pretty much more or less the same color, maybe a little bit more yellow, um, I guess more pale, uh, you could say. The aroma is also not as fragrant. Uh, It's a little bit more stagnant, a little bit uh, less noticeable than the the Steam Whistle's uh, powerful aromas. Um, Let's give it a taste. Now, I couldn't find um, an actual stat on their website uh, or on the can here about the the IBUs, but I'm going to go ahead and and guess that it's going to be lower on the scale. Definitely less hops were used uh, in brewing this beer because it's not as hoppy. It's not as bitter. It's a little bit more smooth. Um, You do get that sharpness. But uh, it isn't as powerful or it isn't as like a punch in the face kind of type style. And now it's an interesting thing to point out because on the can it actually says ice aged here. And uh, you're asking, well, what does ice aged mean? Like obviously some people do, but you really shouldn't drink your beer with ice or in uh, too cold of a glass that it turns it to like a slushy format. But what ice aging means is that after the fermentation... Um, they're going to store their beer. So actually on their website, it gives a, a complete description um, of exactly what they did. And you can find that at oldcreditbrewery.com. Um, but their description says that after fermentation, they ice-aged their beer for about eight weeks at around negative three degrees Celsius. Uh, I don't know what the Fahrenheit is for that Um but you can quickly do the math or, or whatever, but negative three degrees Celsius. And what that helps it, uh, the beer do is it helps it remove, uh, this bitter aftertaste that you can sometimes get when brewing. Um, and it also allows them to, uh, store their beer even longer in terms of shelf life and also gives them a clarity of flavor. It gives them a, a, a little bit more of a a clear taste rather than uh, over complexity and in a pilsner you want a, a clear defined taste but it is an interesting way of getting to the end product uh, maybe a bit differently than what steam whistle does to get to their pilsner and maybe that has a lot to do with why steam whistle has a little bit more of a, a sharpness in terms of being bitter and having that proper amount of bitterness that you should have in a pilsner versus the pill pilsner which is um, a little bit more uh, just subtle um, but it overall it is a good beer um yeah but a little bit so a little bit more bland if anything I guess would be the major difference and that also could come with uh, lower quality ingredients Now I don't know exactly I'm sure that they do uh, you know the utmost uh, finest work in, in order to get the freshest most, uh, Natural ingredients. Um, I know that also on the can here that they they go in depth on how they don't use, uh, you know, they don't pasteurize and they don't put in additives or preservatives into their beer, um, and that they they use the finest ingredients, this and that, um, and and I'm sure they do. And they're they're a smaller brewery compared to Steam Whistle, so it would make sense that uh, they should be able to um, get those local resources. Uh, if Steam Whistle can get their hands on them. Um, but also, I'd like to say something, and and this is, I know it sounds almost a little bit like a negative review off the start, but I, I put this beer particularly in this episode because I actually really enjoy this beer. I know Steam Whistle is my favorite, so, you know, it does, if anything, come second to Steam Whistle. But this beer gets absolutely knocked on reviews online, and um, I don't really see... Uh, The reason, you know, I I get that it's maybe compared to a notorious superior beer like Steam Whistle, it doesn't quite stack up, but also when I stumbled upon this uh, on the go train and then I got in the store, maybe it's a bias then and I'm just, I was just happy, but I'm having it here again and, you know, it's quite pleasant. It's smooth. Um, I got to give them credit. Uh, Pilsner is a hard beer to master. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, uh, you got to do it right for it to taste perfect. And I think they do a really, really good job. Uh, If anything, maybe it is a little bit lower quality ingredients. Maybe they don't use as much hops. Um, Maybe they don't uh, do any dry hopping or anything like that because there's less aroma or just different different processes to get the same style of beer uh, finished product. But overall, I think it's a really good beer. Um, obviously, Steam Whistle is superior, but uh, Pale Pilsner is a really good example of what a Pilsner should be and the potential this beer has. Uh, it is much cheaper than the Steam Whistle per per can or per case, um, which also does speak volumes to the, the the ingredients that they're putting in their beers. Because obviously when a beer um, is more expensive, you can only assume that there's more expensive ingredients going into the product. But we can do a whole other episode on what makes a beer cheap and what makes a beer expensive and uh, all the ins and outs of... That's kind of like the business side of things. But I guess i got to give these two beers a score now. So starting with... Uh, the Pale Pilsner. I'm going to give it a 7.4, and I think that's a pretty fair score. That's pretty much uh, right dead in the middle of where you want to be. Um, that's a overall good beer. Um, I'd say it average is like 6.5 to 7. And I'd say that's pretty average, but a good beer is anything north of 7. So hats off to you guys at uh, Old Credit Brewing Company. And as for the Steam Whistle, I'm going to give a whopping score of 9.1. Um, obviously, you guys couldn't have expected a low score, seeing as I've said over and over again that this is my favorite beer. But nonetheless, uh, I'm happy that I, I've been able to share these two beers with you uh, today. And I'm, I'm glad you guys now know my love for Steam Whistle and my obsession, really. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do some things with them in the future. Who knows? Um, But other than that, thanks for listening. This has been episode two. And next week, we have a special guest. So stay tuned for that. And until then, cheers.